Today, I want to just begin um, just kind of taking a little bit of a step back. And um, yesterday, uh, I had the, the privilege um, with Lauren Scott in the morning and then with Andy and Leonard in the afternoon um, to officiate uh, two local uh, funerals. And, and, and it kind of like brought me back to um, even a part of the origin story of this campus, um, we, we, and some of you heard this, but um, about a three iron shot away from this campus, there's another church and um, some people that you're going to get to meet in a moment, um, they, they lost a son and a grandson who was murdered. And I, I had the privilege to officiate that and um, it's been a two year journey. And sometimes you just, I don't know find yourself just waking up to how fragile it all is. And, and, and in the midst of that, with Advent, there is this world that's eagerly waiting for the redemption and restoration, for things to be made right, for justice to happen. And we find ourselves stuck in the middle. And, and if you're like me, in the middle, and some scholars call it the now and not yet, you find yourself just finding your heart or your mind being attacked by the enemy. Or you see our world that's just crying out for some sense of hope or some sense of where is this all going? And, and oftentimes we can get lost in looking for some sense of clarity in the here and now. Um, but for me, I, I've just found myself learning to go back to the scriptures and what I want to do today is I want to make this really, really plain, like really, really practical. Um, because that's, that for me, this has been just a song of the season for me is, man, how can we be the people of hope in such unique and wild times? How can we be the people who hold on to hope in, in days that it's hard to make sense of? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to I'm going to give you five crucial questions, okay, five crucial questions that every one of you, when you start to find yourself in the midst of some level of temptation or struggle or I don't know what to do as the attacks or the past or the shoulds or the shame starts to come in, I want to go directly to God's word and I want you to see actual answers for your actual life. No matter if you're in your 70s or you are in your teens, this matters if you want to live a biblical life. It matters. So to do that, um, I'm going to have you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So if you've got a small little black Bible, it's page 908. Um, but, but here's, here's uh, just a little picture, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my heart out here for a second. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to go with me. But here, here's what I want you to know. 2023, uh, Bria, Leonard, Parks, and the teaching team, we, we all stacked hands that we are going to spend all of 2023 in two books of the Bible. So, so we are just going to be walking through two books of the Bible. It makes up 26% of the New Testament. We will be living in that. You're going to hear more about it. But here's my dream. Here's my dream. 
<clears throat> is that we would just start bringing these. Now, I know, I know some of you are like, I got my phone. That's fine. There's no shade. I believe that you're not texting. Um, I, I trust you. But I will tell you, man, if, if we just bring this and we can start flipping through the pages together, there's something, that sound is the equivalent of like the smell that comes off a Weber grill to heaven. It just is a sweet and pleasing sound to heaven, all right? So I challenge you next weekend, Pastor Leonard's teaching, bring your Bible. Uh, then at Christmas Eve, I'll be teaching, bring your Bible. But then especially in 2023, as we walk through two books of the Bible, and it's not Romans. So two books of the Bible. So with that, Romans chapter 8, I'm just going to read. It's not going to be up on the screen, but i got to do a little background for you before we dive into the five crucial questions. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, and that means kind of like those 613 commands, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and shalom and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, I only have 72 more chapters to go, so stay with me. A few more verses, a few more verses, a few more verses. Here we go. I consider, I consider that our present sufferings are not, with, not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and daughtership, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope, For what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, let me stop right here before we dive into the five crucial questions. What he's talking about, he first, Paul, this apostle who writes the majority of the New Testament, he says, hey, hey, there's a bunch of us who were taught the life of the flesh. And if we did the law and we actually did the law, then we were okay. But there was something about the law that we could actually never be fully set free. And that's why Christ came. And when Christ came, he takes all of the sin. He dies for us so that we don't have to live by the flesh. We can live a more elevated life, life with the Spirit. But now we're living life with the Spirit, but we're living in a world that is not living by the Spirit. We're living in a world that's actually living by the flesh. And we, as these citizens of heaven that Paul will write in Philippians, we, as these people in the kingdom of God, we find ourselves in the here and now trying to live by the Spirit and yet living in a world of profound suffering. And the question then that Paul's trying to address to a bunch of Christ followers that are living in the midst of a superpower named Rome who has its own agenda, has its own story, has its own narrative of their own perennial greatness is he's trying to say, this is how we live. This is how we live. But in the midst of it, You're going to have all of these uh, attacks. And so what I want to do is I want to walk us through these five crucial questions. Then I'm going to make it super plain. And then we're going to hear a story. And then we're going to receive communion. So stay with me. I promise you this has helped me immensely live closer to Jesus, live life by the Spirit in a world that doesn't make much sense. Sound good? All right, here we go. Let's go to the next slide. Here it says this. Here's the question, is how to hold on to hope in our present sufferings. How to hold on to hope. And, and, and I love this word, hope. Uh, for me, hope is, is everything. Um, in Arabic, I was with some Palestinians uh, one day, and they, they told me in a word, um, fish mustakbal, and it literally means we have no future. 
And I remember just hearing that for the first time, and I just said, I can't imagine a group of people who have no future. This is as good as it gets. But when you actually have hope, oh, you have hope, and you can begin to recognize the good that God is up to. It gives you the confidence to continue to take next steps of faith, staying consistent over time, walking and abiding and remaining in Christ. I love what it says, if we go to the next slide, and talks about in Romans 8.31. Paul begins to start addressing some questions. He says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? To the 30 verses I wrote, just read, about life in the spirit, about hope in the present suffering. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the first question then is this, question one. What then shall we say in response to these things? I want you to see this. Paul answers this question with another question, which is a, a typical ra- rabbinic thing to do. This is what rabbis often do. But the first question and the first answer that Paul wants us all to see is, what shall we say in response to these things? Right from the jump is that God is for us. You have to think about that. Because sometimes we say things, oh, God's for us. But do you actually believe that? In the, in the pathway of discipleship, there are simple, tweetable truths. You know, God is for us. But then all of a sudden, they go through the struggle. They go through the fire. They go through the pit. They go through actual life when life does what it does. And you have to go, do I actually believe that God is for me and for us? And when it goes through the simple and it goes through the struggle, then it becomes sacred. And when you say it, it has some sense of weightiness to it. Do you believe that God's for you? Do you believe that God's for you when you don't get your way? Do you believe that God's for you when life happens? Do you believe that the God of all creation knows you by name, shaped you, informed you, and put his image in you, gave you a purpose? And I know there are days that are dark and there are days that are hard, but man, to have hope in the dark starts with the first reality. God is for you. God is for you. It continues on. Next slide to the next question. You'll see this in in Romans 8.32. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Hear that second question right there. See it. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So the first answer, the first question is that God is for us. But the second answer is simply this. He is gracious. He is, God is beyond generous. So, so for, for me, sometimes when I find myself in actual life and I'm living in the midst of present sufferings or present criticism or all of the struggles or doubts or shoulds or shame, I have to stop and say, God, you're for me. And then... I have to find myself oftentimes interrogating that because sometimes even me, as a teacher of God's word, I have to remember, oh, no, no, he is for me. Why? Oh, yeah, because he's beyond, been beyond generous. I mean, all that we have in this room, all that we have experienced, all of the goodness, like, you know what I really love right now? 
I love that I hear the sound of a baby. Like, I love that sound. It's just like, now it went quiet. But I want, I, like, I, I genuinely, I, every time I teach and I hear the sound, I'm like, oh, oh. My mom, well, growing up, she, she had six miscarriages. I mean, the sound of a baby. You know what I love? I love, I love hearing the sound of you all worshiping. You know what I love? I, lo- I love seeing people in, in the face of adversity see opportunity. And sometimes you pull them aside and you go, why? And they just sit back and they go, God's been so good to me. How could my response not be goodness to him? But I, gu- I guarantee you, if you can't answer these crucial questions that God, one, is for you, but that God has been beyond generous to you, you will drift to what the flesh wants, to the fleshly escapes. But to live in the tension, to stand firm in that moment, it does something. Let's take it even farther. Let's go back to the text. It says this in verse 33. It says this, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So here's that third question. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? See, this is what's amazing is Paul's trying to write to a whole bunch of people going, yeah, but we're trying to live by the Spirit, but all of culture is telling us to live this way, and then all of a sudden, what if if we we mess up? What if we don't do it right? What What if we're not like what everyone expects us to be? And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But who can actually bring a charge against who you actually are? Who? And the answer is just right there in the text. It's the God who justifies. The God. It's God who justifies. Now, justifies is a weird word. Uh, for many of us, we, we know justified just from Justin Timberlake, um, but we don't actually know what this word really, really means. Justin Bieber, you know. But just, just, here's what justification is, all right? It's, it's moving from a place of injustice, which is predicated by a life of sin, to a place of justice, which is predicated by the gift of grace. So it's that process that none of us did anything to actually do. It's literally like a positional change from this being a part and complicit to life's and system of sin and patterns of injustice. But through Christ, we have been justified to a place of grace and reordering and bringing about righteousness, justice, and shalom to a world that is broken and fractured. Does this make sense? And so, like, hear this. It is... God who is for you. It's God who's for you. It's God who's been beyond generous. But yeah, but how has he been generous? Oh, he sent a son. And what did his son do? His son justified you. He moved you in position, in access to the Father. He justified you. So in the midst of like all of the craziness that's happening in the world, you can come back and go, oh yeah, yeah, God is for me. He's been beyond generous. He's justified me. It continues on. It says this, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of of God and is also interceding for us. So let's hear that. And Paul just is, I mean, he's like a lawyer. He's just building a case 
He goes, oh, you got questions about, literally about justifies? Okay, well, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about this. Who then? Who then? Question four is the one who condemns. Who then actually can say you're not doing it right? I mean, is it Caesar? Is it your boss? Is it your spouse? Is it your parent? Is it this group of people who somehow have some kind of public or personal or or some sense of power in the day-to-day of your kind of life and sphere? Who then is the one who condemns? And Paul just goes, oh yeah, you know what the answer is? Uh, No one. No one. No one can condemn you. No one. No, No one can say anything that actually can make you go back to being not justified. Nobody can say anything to you that could actually make you not have God before you. Nobody can say anything about whatever you've done or said or embodied or experienced or didn't say or didn't do or didn't embody. No one can condemn you and change the fact that God is for you. He's been beyond generous. He is the one who justifies. And because of that, if they're not God, they can't condemn you. I mean, just imagine reading this for the first time. In a world that was so built on Roman power and fear. And all of a sudden he's like, no, 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 no. But it gets even better. It gets even better. Now we're gonna, and just give me a couple more moments and we're going to make this really, really plain. This is this, verse 35. Well, real quick, real quick. I, 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 I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do this. Um, just think about this for one second. If that, that verse is saying in this moment is that there's this this amazing thing that's happening as I sit on this little plant stand that someday is going to break, but I love it. Here, here's the deal, here's the deal. There's this moment where it's like Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's like interceding. So like, just think about this. In the moment of profound level of tension and fear, and I don't know if I, I can do this, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm, I, I'm nervous about the fear, ah, and there's, there is this visual picture of Christ sitting in Paul's language next to the father going, oh my goodness, like that's, that's Linda. Like, do you see Linda? I mean, she's up there. A couple weeks ago, Steve didn't know her. And I called him out. But like, she, she's fire. She's up there serving. She's amazing. You know, like in the midst, like there, do you just imagine Christ looking at you Going, oh, man, that's Jane. Oh, my goodness. Can you, man, that's Ron. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's George. Gosh, they're doing it. Like, look at them. Look at what they're going through right now. Look at they're holding and standing firm like the, like the sun interceding. And sometimes when it feels so overwhelming, I have to, like, take a step back and go and just think about that. Like, we're not in this alone. That Christ is going, man, look at this. Look at how they're trying. Look how they're actually in a world that's just go govern and, and led by the flesh. They're trying to live this elevated life remaining in us. Look at that. Look at that. Hear those prayers. Hear those desires. Let's go back to question five. Question five says this. Verse 35. Who shall 
separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Question five, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Here's the answer. Nothing. I, I just like that. I could say nothing, but I like the idea of just no thing. No thing. Nothing you've said, nothing you've done, no hardship, no person. Nothing, no thing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. So think about this. And just, just I want to put all of these down just so that you can see it. And maybe for some of you, you just want to snap a picture of this. Um, I'll get out of the way. But like holding on to hope in our present suffering requires us to remember these five crucial answers to five crucial questions. God is for us. God is beyond generous. It is God who justifies. No one can condemn. And no thing can separate us from God's love. Okay, so just, just hold that for a second. At this moment, Bria, can I bring you and Leonard up for a second? I've not talked to you about this, which always is fun. <laughs> All right, Bria, would you stand right here? Leonard, would you stand right here? Can we give it up for our campus pastors? They're so awesome. All right, right here, right here. All right, now, they're not gonna say anything, and this is just me trying to play this out, okay? I want you to see this. The two of them, I love these two. I think that they're profoundly gifted. I I love their heart for care, pastor. There's so much good in them, all right? But here's the crazy piece, and this is, this, is, this is what's true of every single one of us. I only can imagine, okay? I can only imagine, and I'm using them because I know them as examples, but I, I've not talked to them about this. I can imagine that in the midst of this, there are moments where there are these forces that just swirl around. And there are these forces, and the scriptures will just talk about this, these forces And they just swirl around. And you can just imagine. You can just imagine what these forces are saying. Oh, man, you're a mom. Like, you you should be a better mom. Dude, you're a dad, man. What are you doing? Like, who do you you think you are? What are what What are you doing? You should be so much better. Gosh. Why? Why didn't you say something? Why? Why did you say something? What are you thinking? Is this hitting anyone? Anyone experience this? If you're not, you're not breathing. Because this is, this is what happens. You have two people who are spirit of the flesh. But that's not what God did. God elevated them to be life by the spirit. But in every one of us, I'm just using them as examples because this is my story too. This is our story. In the moments is when all of that happens, the Christ seated at the right hand of the Father is going, no, 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 Bria, he's for you. 
He's so generous. He gave you this opportunity. You have this role. You have this gifting. He's been beyond generous. You're an amazing mom. You have so much to offer. No, no, no one can condemn. No thing can separate. You matter. Oh, Leonard, oh, Leonard. God is for you. He's so for you. He's so beyond generous. You're amazing, Dad. You've gone through stuff. You, you're amazing. Man, it's God who justifies you. No one can condemn. No one. No one will ever be able to separate you. And I'm telling you, every single day, there's an enemy who does not want you to believe it. And when we become a force for good, we don't actually drift. What I love about Leonard is I can't move this guy. I want to sometimes. I want to just, just to even just see how strong I am. I don't even compare, you know? I mean, you should be wearing a schmedium, like just to show, you know what I mean? Like you can't, but that's the thing. And this is how we're supposed to live every single day is that when all of this stuff is coming at us, it can't move us because God's for us. It can't move us because God is beyond generous. It can't move us because it's God who justifies. It is no one can condemn and no one can separate us. And when we start to live like that, then here's the crazy piece. All of a sudden, I'm not saying it's easy. Because all of a sudden, life does what life does. And you are presented with a choice. To live empowered by that spirit to live in more elevated, Christ-centered, cruciform life or not. And I love these two because they're, they're, they're embodying it to me. Um, thank you. I'm so sorry to use that example. Thank you. Sorry. But hear this. I want to introduce you to two people, in my opinion, who have had to play this out. And it's... it's um, I'm just saying this, like, I can read all this stuff, and we're like, yeah, that God's for me. And then all of a sudden, but you then find yourself staring down the pain of our world. And this is where it gets real. So with that, can I invite Tudi and Nadia up? So when I told you the, at the beginning of the teach that there was a funeral that I officiated um, based on the murder of Jamal, um, this is Jamal's mom, Nadia. <clears throat> and uh, Jamal's grandma, uh, Tudi. <clears throat> and... What's unique about this story to me was a couple months ago, uh, I was walking to my car and uh, Nadia saw me and she said, Steve, would you just pray for me? And a couple weeks later, Tootie saw me as I was leaving. She said, hey, would you just pray? Um, they're giving us time. I don't even know if I can say this. Man. Um, with my son's murderer. And um, I just want to be able to do that well. That was the heart of both of them. And I was like, wait, wait, you're doing what? 
And so, um, Nadia, can I start with you? Yeah, you're on. You're good. Yep. Um, so talk about just the process leading up to this conversation for you. What was just going on in your heart? So at first it was really difficult. Um, you get the phone call that your son's been shot and you don't really know. I don't know. Like he's in Arizona when this happens. I'm in Illinois. I had no clue what was happening. Uh, a few hours later, I get a phone call saying that he passed, and I was numb. You know, you don't you think that's the worst day of your life, and then there's still all these processes you have to do because someone chose to take his life. It's one thing if someone dies. You know, that's how God wants it. It's something else when someone chooses to. So I was so angry, and I'm like, "What do you mean? Someone took my baby?" and I think that was the hardest part for me. I was mad at God. Like, why, why would you let this happen? How, how could this be, you know? Uh, so it was a process for me to, to go through all of it. Then we have to go through the killer and see him. They found him, uh, and um, I was able to watch the sentencing and speak to him and things like that. And I'm like, to get there, I, I was mad. I was like, God, why, how could you do this to me? Why would you do this to me? And, and who is this kid? He's a kid. He was 19, he's 19 years old now. He was 17 when he shot my son. So for that, I have empathy. He's a kid. And you make very different choices when you're a child. Uh, not that it changes because, you know, he ended up getting 11 and a half years. If he got one year or 100 years, my kid isn't coming back. Mm. So it doesn't matter. And it took a while. It took almost two years for me. I would sit here and cry every Sunday, like, cry because I was so mad at God. You know, you speak of hope. Um, I didn't have any. So it took a while for me to say, God, you know, I forgive you. And I had to look at it from a different perspective and say, not not that I forgive him, but I I had to forgive the killer. I had to say, you know what, this is weighing on me and he will not take anything else from me. Because if I allow him to make me upset or lose my future or lose my sanity or, or anything, he's taking from me more. So how can I allow that to happen? You already took my son. You will never take my freedom, my future, my children, nothing. You won't, I won't allow that. So I had to be here and be here and forgive, but I, it was for me. And I got to see the killer. And I told him, I, he wouldn't look at me in my face, but I told him, I forgive you. And that's between you and God. This battle I had to release to God because it's not my battle anymore. Wow. wow. It's just not. Nada, you're so strong. And I remember hearing that. And, and, and Tudy, uh, you know, you, 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 had, you were there uh, on that, in that meeting. And talk about your experience, but then also talk about how that the last couple of years has just reframed some stuff in, in your heart. You're good. You're okay. uh, I cannot forget her voice in my ear when she called and said, Mom, he's dead. Mom, he's gone. I, I just, it's for two years and it's still in my ear. My grandson was my first grandson. My first grandson, he was my whole life. My, 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 my joy, my, my, my everything for me. And I was very angry the first two days. I was never angry with God, but I was just mad and upset and angry. And, and you know, the third day, maybe the fourth day, I, I felt peace. You know, I kept praying and praying and praying and praying. I had to say, God, please, I accept whatever God gives me because in my in my heart, I know God doesn't give us anything bad. And I always say thank you because it could be worse. Some people say, what do you mean? Worse than death? Yes, Jamal could have been hurt, not dead. And Jamal could have been, you know, like uh, in a coma. 
and, and, and the hospital forever. Yeah. That's that's worse. Yeah. I prefer to see him with God and not in pain. Amen. Jamal could have been in jail instead of that boy. Yeah. That's, I don't want that. I'm glad to see Jamal with God. So I kept thinking about all these things. And the more I think about it, the more I was at peace. Yeah. But Jamal's death changed me mm. because I was not the person I am today. I was always holding grudges. I always wanted revenge. And I don't like this person. And I'm not going to go to this birthday party because that person is there. I don't have that anymore in me. I don't. Jamal's son's mom and I never got along, ever. There was even cops between us. Today, I love her. Mm. I love her to death, and she comes, and she brings me her son, and she hugs me, and she texts me every morning. Not every morning, but often. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you feeling? So it's like, he just, his death changed me. It, it made me a better person. Yeah. Now, I, 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 the reason I chose to forgive this boy, because I asked God for forgiveness. Who am I not to forgive? Amen. If I'm going to ask God to forgive me, who am I not to forgive another human being? Amen. Besides, he's a child. Okay? I, nobody's born bad. Nobody's born bad. This, mm -hmm. this child, baby, he, was, he had problems with his family, with school, with society. Something. Okay? Something happened to him to make him bad. And I pray for him. So when I saw him, of course, I couldn't talk to him without crying. I was really, really having a hard time. But mm -hmm. I had to let him know I'm not here to... to on you or tell you or swear at you but I just want you to know the day you killed Jamal you also killed me you killed his mom and you killed my whole family and you took the joy you took my you took everything that's good in my life but with all that being said I still forgive you mm. I pray for you I've been praying for him for the past two years mm -hmm. I will continue to pray for him because he still have 11 years or maybe 10 years ahead of him it's not easy his punishment is being inside yeah. I pray for his mom and dad. My heart goes out for his mom. Yes, for yeah. sure. I mean, I, I cannot imagine being in her shoes, you know. Yeah. Now, I know that her loss is is not permanent. My loss is, our loss is permanent. But again, what better place to be than with God? Amen. I'd rather Jamal be in heaven with Jesus no, than God. sitting on the other side going yes. facing trial for murder. Yeah, that's I'd right. rather, I'm, right. I'm, I find peace with that. I guess that's wow. how I'm, I've been able to process it. Man, I, <clears throat> I just wanted you guys to see this because again, when we read Romans 8, I can just be like, oh, that's really nice. <clears throat> and then you get to meet people within our own community who have had to live in that now and not yet and still hold on to, oh yeah, no one can condemn. That means us. That means we have to, as that kind of elevated life with the Spirit, we get to choose to forgive. And just from a church family, I can't even begin to fathom or imagine, um, but your faith inspires us. Um, your ability to forgive inspires us. Let me just, just from the bottom of my heart, thank you for modeling Christ and the cruciform life to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you can just give me just a couple more minutes. Um, thank you for just hearing that story. Um, but 
to the side, you uh, are there's a Tupperware container filled with um, the hardest part of the cruciform life, which is trying to open these up properly. Okay, so um, here's here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see, real quick. I haven't been able to shake the fact of this 19-year-old kid. And, and you heard Nadia say this. And Tutti say this. They said, hey, will you look at me? I forgive you. And he didn't look. Because the shame and the pain and the past and what he did, he couldn't receive this. And I wonder how many of us can actually relate to that. And God's like, I'm for you. I've been beyond generous. I justified you. I'm not going to condemn you. Nothing's going to separate you from my love. And yet somehow other voices in our life are louder than the Lord's. And that's why this meal matters. Because it reminds us not just who we are, but whose we actually are. So I'd love to invite you just to open the top where the bread is. Just to, just to hold that. And this represents Christ's body that was broken so that we would be justified. This piece of bread represents that condemnation, separation, no thing and no one could ever, ever separate us from God's love. He did not want us to walk this life wondering if God was for us or if God was beyond generous. He wanted to remind us every moment of every day that he's with us and for us. So maybe receive and eat. try and open up the, the top with a little bit of the juice and the cup represents and some of you have heard me say this but in the Jewish meal this would have been a cup of judgment when Jesus picked it up that's what they would have expected in that meal but Jesus reframes the whole thing and says no no that's not a, this is, a, this is a, a picture of a new covenant so every time you grab a cup you take a drink, it's just a reminder that it was his blood that was shed that reminds you that God is for us. He's beyond generous. It's him who justifies. Doesn't condemn, no thing can separate, that we actually get to live in this new found freedom. And that's why this is called good news. Because it actually is. So maybe drink. So God, we just come before you and oftentimes we respond with worship. But here's my challenge is that we as Four City Church, we're gonna respond this week with our actual lives, giving worth to the one that is for us, giving worth to the one that has been beyond generous, giving worth to the one who justifies, giving worth to the one who doesn't condemn, giving worth to the one 
that reminds me every single day that there's no thing that could separate you, me from your love. And so God, I pray that we would walk in that with grace and with peace. We love you, God. We trust you in all God's people say. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Hey, before you go, just a couple of quick things. Next weekend, I said Pastor Leonard's teaching. Um, hey, would you do me a favor? Make an invite for Christmas. This, there's a lot of people that are just drifting. And there's something sweet that's happening here. And um, I think there's a way for us just to go a little public with it and make that invitation. I know a number of you already have, but bring someone to the five or to the seven. Um, and let's see what God wants to do as we walk through two books of the Bible together in 2023. Love you guys. Head downstairs if you want to check out those seven floor shirts or get connected. But have a great, great week. See you next weekend. Grace and peace.